Welcome to the Picky Bastards Podcast, episode 35, where we talk about mostly shit music. I'm Nick, and I'm joined by the witty, clever, thoughtful, insightful, engaging, and all-around great person, Matt Paul. Hi. Wow. I was wondering who was going to get that, um, and, and I'm, I feel pretty lucky. And Franz here as well. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I picked up on what that joke was going to be exactly the second you started talking. And yet so. it still worked. Come on, give me yeah. that. Yeah, I think um, maybe three people will laugh. <laughs> I'm one of them though, so I don't really care. Your mum, one of them. That'll be good, yeah. So um, today we're going to be talking about four new albums, uh, a classic, and one artist that, is at least, that at least one of us doesn't hate, which is the Why I Love introduction. Um, so the new albums are Apollo Brown and Shea Noir with As God Intended. Protomata with Ultimate Success Today. Disclosure with Energy, which is all in caps. I think that's very important to know. Energy! Energy! Yeah. <laughs> and then Sevdalisa with Shebrang. Our classic is uh, Jane's Addiction's Ritual de la Habitual. And I'll be introducing a playlist of Super Furry Animals. So, I'm going to start with a question for Fran, uh, who is actually a lovely person, really, to be honest. Thanks, um, Okay, now we've, we've mended our bridges now. So, yeah, um, <laughs> what album came closest to bringing you towards joy, Fran? Okay, well, as per usual, I think Nick's tried his best to make it hard for me today. <laughs> Partly because he knows <laughs> I rarely feel any joy. Um, <laughs> but also because this playlist in particular is, is quite lacking in joyful albums, if you, if you ask me. Um, that's not to say there weren't some really good albums, but a lot of them were quite sombre and downbeat. Um, in the end, though, I've chosen the classic from uh, Jane's Addiction, Ritual de lo Habitual, in my wonderful Spanish. Um, <laughs> which actually, I don't know if you know when you picked this, Nick, that it turned 30 a couple of months ago. I, I didn't actually know that, that. No. Yeah. no. So in August it turned 30. So, so yeah, that would probably be the one that came closest to bringing me joy. Uh, that isn't to say that I loved it. But I did like it a lot more than I expected to when you picked it. I think um, Jane's Addiction is a name I've been hearing for years, but I didn't really know who they were. And I always imagined them to be something a little bit more heavy, something shouty that I wouldn't really click with. But little did I know, I actually already knew and quite liked some of the songs on this album. Um, just didn't know they were Jane's Addiction. So Obvious is one of the songs. And Being Caught Stealing, which is um, really well-known, I think. Um, it's a great... I really like that song. It's... Really funky, I can tell why it's well-known. I think it's a really good track. Um, so, yeah, I think it's tracks like that that make me able to say this one was the most that brought me, the one that brought me closest to any kind of joy. I think it's a kind of free, loose vibe and feels like they're having a lot of fun with the music. But because I'm not always massively into joyful music, this does, does wear a little bit thin for me over the course of the whole album. Um, and I have to admit, like, my listening, I'm usually a big lyrics person, but I don't really find myself focusing on the lyrics hardly at all here. Um, I didn't feel like they were that important, so I, I don't know what they're talking about a lot of the time. But it's, I think there's some great music, and in terms of how I react to a lot of the classics we cover, I'd say this was pretty successful. Um, I'll probably listen to more of their work, and I got more out of the album than I predicted I would, but yeah, that's kind of where I land on that one, I think. Okay, so Matt, what do you reckon with that one? Um, so I think in the past we've levelled um, fair criticism at some uh, hip-hop artists for sounding dated. Um, 
And I think we should level that gun right at Jane's addiction very heavily because it is very overblown and overdriven and the guitars are screeching all the time. Um, (laughs) And what I would say is an unnecessary way. Um, It feels very hammy looking back at it uh, from our viewpoint now. Um, From your viewpoint? Yeah, from my viewpoint. Yeah, Um, that's nice. The... I, I have listened to Jane's Addiction before. I remember they had an album come out when uh, in like early 2000s. Um, and I was also into the Chili Peppers and I know they have like a shared history as well. And a lot of the, I guess, music style kind of overlaps, kind of this funky guitar-driven rock music that's also poppy at times. Um, but... That said, the Chili Peppers for me are pretty dated, and these guys fall in, uh, in that same category. Um, yeah, and so I don't really like the way the guitar's being played. I don't really like his vocals. Um, that's <laughs> going said, downhill fast, isn't it? Really. <laughs> that said, um, I I did quite like I know being caught stealing like Fran mentioned it's a great track I think it's a good track because it's a bit more poppy and straightforward and it doesn't sound as quite as ridiculous um and the album does seem to have like two parts almost where it is this kind of big sounds and then some quieter stuff at the end and the transition between that is like an 11 minute song in the middle and I quite like that transition song quite a lot i don't know what it was called though yeah and i can't remember what it's called i know which one you mean though um yeah i i thought that was more interesting and it was just exploring the space a little bit more um and like a jam session as opposed to these like them all just howling at each other (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah all in all uh well yeah it was interesting and i think i don't know it was just this playlist is kind of weird, so it was set against a weird playlist. I mean, I can see the Chili Peppers link that you're um, talking about, and I—I yeah. I mean, I know Chili Peppers. As I've got older, I've realised you know they're not the most talented or interesting band, but I, I liked them as a teenager, so I think that's part of where I got some of my enjoyment from this album. From was the sort of, you know, at one time I think this kind of music I did really like, so I think I was able to not really think about the datedness of it really and just quite enjoy it but yeah i think for me i don't i couldn't feel nostalgic about it because i haven't really listened to them that much and i also like the way that dave navarro plays guitar he annoyed me when he was when he they did was it Air, i forgot is it one hot minute one hot minute when yeah. he joined the chili peppers for a while i didn't like that album very much um is he in this band so, yeah, he's, he's the guitarist. guitarist. Band, yeah, oh, yeah, all the way through. I didn't know that. Yeah. There you go. That's why yeah. I felt that link then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think Flea played for these guys for a while as well. So they. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I'll jump in then. Um, so yeah, I I would say overall um, the style of the music. So I'll talk about the datingness for a minute. It was just to say I think that there's it does suffer with some slightly irritating production problems, which are. Uh, you find in quite a lot of albums, I think, of this period, which is they're very, it's very thin production. It's very sort of almost tinny in some of the points of the some points in the album, um, and so the production needs it doesn't really have the same uh, kind of 
kick. It doesn't really hit you hard very much unless you crank the volume a hell of a lot. So some of the, the frenzy and rage and fury of, of some of the tracks where, where Perry Farrell's really sort of going for it vocally, you don't really get it unless you really crank it up quite loud. But when you do that, I think it actually sounds like a really interesting juxtaposition of the kind of sort of more rock and roll macho on, on things like the guitar side and the drum side with the shrill kind of peripheral vox, um, which is, I think, really, really interesting sort of mix of the two tones together. Um, so, yeah, the style is obviously really ornate, as I think both of you, men both you mentioned. Um, like the drums and the guitar and bass play around each other, kind of move around each other a lot, which I found, I found to be really quite energizing and intricate and fun. Um, so I think all in all, once I got past these limitations with the um, with the production's like quality, um, the actual tracks and the actual energy behind the album, I really enjoyed. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd actually say it might be one of the better classics we've done um, because I I would go back to it definitely, and I enjoyed most of it. Although the one I, the one I didn't enjoy was there's, there's that that really long track, which is that, that one you were referring to a minute ago. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So that's the one I didn't like because I just felt like it just went out all over the place without any real structure. So, uh, so we agree on that. Yeah. So, um, I'm gonna say that I was in the middle on that track. I'm not really sure what I think about it. So, yeah. <laughs> Perfect yeah, expression. Yeah, no, exactly. There. Exactly. So uh, yeah. So no. All in all, I uh, I really um, really enjoyed it, and I'll go back to it definitely. And I, and I only knew a little bit. I knew only being caught stealing, obviously, but not not much of the rest of it really. So uh, it was all new to me, and I'm glad I got into it. Pretty much feels to me like you just said you like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, isn't it? I don't like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and this band is way better than that. I know the guitar yeah, really? link is there, but Red Hot Chili Peppers are not nearly as good as this band, I don't think. I think they've done, I mean, let's not get into a Chili Peppers debate, but I think like <laughs> they've done some really good stuff and they've done some really terrible stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree uh, with that. I mean, they've, they've done, the, I agree with the terrible stuff, I don't know about the good stuff, but yeah. They've done some really good stuff. I mean, if you, t if you don't listen to the lyrics, they've done some really good stuff, but if you listen to the lyrics... <laughs> I mean, I suppose if you don't mind rhyming snow with O in nearly every song, then you've done them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's move on then. Um, so, Matt, what album brought you closest to tears? Um, yeah, like like Fran, this was pretty hard. Good. Even Perfect. though it's a very dark I don't, uh, content, I think that, uh, it's to say <laughs> the playlist was fairly dark and right. moody. Mm. Right. Um, I know we don't normally reflect on the playlist, uh, but I think this is why I chose this album. Is uh, none of, like none of the albums really connected with my like deep down to like move me in a way that tears would be produced. Um, <laughs> and so, like, what came closest to the feeling of like that release of crying was actually mm. listening to Disclosure with Energy and. Okay. That's an amazing that, choice. I can't wait to hear what you. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I totally agree. I, like, what the hell are you talking about? Go ahead. Go ahead. And the reason is, it felt like a release. Like it felt like a big. Uh, uh, like after listening to in the in the context of the playlist, after listening to so much brooding and dark music, um, having something so bright and light felt like the release after crying. So it's tears of joy so, to some extent to mix the two brushes right. together. It's yeah, it's more like the the post cry feeling of like <laughs> oh I've let that out. It's time to move on. That is so tenuous. Oh my god. All right, I'll, uh, I'll let you off. Yeah, yeah. But it it generally felt like that this album was uh, like obviously the the title is dumb, 
all caps energy <laughs> but it it genuinely gave me energy listening to this album it right. um had so much like i said so much brightness and lightness in it and i am can't divorce it from the context again of the playlist but um i found that listening to this what really like changed my mood in a positive way um and so really like i i suggested we do this album based, based on the list of collaborators that were on the album okay and i think they like i haven't really listened to disclosure much before but the list of collaborators looked really good and i thought they added so much to this album um uh for me like the the high point of the album was uh the song with fatimata diawara um it reminded me musically a little bit of the best of uh, Jamie XX. He gave lots of space and lots of um, room. But it, again, it felt very clean and very light. There wasn't ever, I don't feel like, considering it's like an electronic act, um, it's like housey music, it didn't feel like they wallowed too much in like bass-driven. Uh, it was very, very light and uh, mm. everything. And then combining that very spacious feeling that they created with um, her voice in, in in that song, really, like, it, her voice is fantastic and her singing style really kind of enriched the song and added a human element to this non-human kind of atmospheric uh, electronic sounds that they were making. Um, and so... That's why I, I I think that applied to pretty much the whole album. They were creating this kind of very uh, spacious beats that were not too overbearing, and then they'd have a fantastic collaborator who would then actually create a human side to the music that was really easy to connect with. Um, that said, it wasn't a tremendously complex album. It just was very easy, accessible, and light, which I needed. Okay, uh, so I'll jump in, I guess. Um, yeah, it, w- it won't be long. Um, absolutely no surprises <laughs> here. Uh, this is a really, really solid dance album that I will never listen to again. Mm. Um, whatever qualities it has are not things that I can get into. Um, and I think, actually, when you say that the name is, it is not appropriate. I mean, the name is extremely appropriate and the caps is extremely appropriate. It's such a loud album, um, and and I I just found it mostly a bit grating um, and and irritating. But I, I I can fully understand that it's meant to be it's there to be danced to, and I don't dance, so I don't <laughs> see. You had that line on this. I know, but I, seriously, that's what <laughs> yeah. it's there for. I mean, that that is the entire function of this album is to dance, and if, a lot of the songs are about dancing. Yeah. So they're continually talking about that. So fair enough, go for it. But it just doesn't work for me. So um, I thought there were a couple of moments where it sounded like it had little hints of like Aphex Twin in it in some of the slightly more glitchy stuff, like in My yeah, Eye, yeah, yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed that um, more than the rest of it. But in general, um, it just kind of didn't get any traction on it. And it, it just went... Went past me, really. Yeah, so, so not something I, I I was falling in love with, really. But yeah, Matt, uh, Fran, what do you think? 
Well, unsurprisingly, I wasn't particularly excited when Matt chose this album. Um, but there is a reason for that. My only previous experience of the closure wasn't really a very good one. Um, I was at a festival in Lisbon, which they were headlining. And the, their sub-headliner that year, that evening, was The National, um, which, you know, it's a bit of a weird mix. And I just watched an amazing yeah. set from The National, and I didn't know who Disclosure were. I was very drunk, so I thought I'd hang around and just see what they were, and I really quickly wished I hadn't, um, because <laughs> it was not my thing. So I wasn't very excited, but then I looked at the track list, and, and like um, Matt said, there's some great... People featured on it, the Slow Tie, Khalees, Mick Jenkins, Common, they're all artists that I really like. Um, so I, I allowed myself to get a little bit excited. And then I listened to it, and it's really quite hard for me to think of another album as drab and slowless and soulless as this one. Um, the only thing that comes close to me that I can remember us doing on the podcast is the Noel Gallagher album from a couple of years. Oh, I remember that one, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In a weird way, this album kind of reminded me of that. And the reason is it's just full of drab, cliched lyrics over beats that all sound pretty much identical. And I think, I think this album really feels like it's saying a lot when actually almost everything it says feels like it's from the advertising flyer for a self-help seminar. Um, <laughs> like The worst offender is the title song where some prick spends five minutes telling loads of people living in a pandemic that all they need to do to start feeling negative is to change their thinking and watch where their energy flows. I think this song's like <laughs> just short-sighted as fuck. Um, but on the main part, the album's just really, really boring. Like, it's really dull. So many of the songs sound the same. Matt, your point about the guests is, like, I was excited by this, but they, Slow Tie is so done down on his song that it, they make him... The production makes him sound so just generic and uninteresting. Like I cannot understand why anyone would like this album. Really? See, yeah, I, 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 in my head, I was comparing it more to like you know when Dizzy Rascal did all his features, and he still does with more um, dance music producers. They were still gr great songs. They're just not a Dizzy Rascal song. But if you listen to that, what they did to his voice, or what even what they do to Slow Tide's voice on this, and it just sounds very metallic and very sort of dumbed down and it's just it's just not interesting um i think this is yeah one of the most boring and soulless albums i remember listening to to be honest nice so that's where i like wow. it <laughs> that could be a problem then yeah so yeah, yeah. okay so uh, let's move on um maybe we should go back to fran and see what you thought was the best of the rest of the albums Okay, um, I'm going to go with Seb Deliza, um, Shebrang, um, although I will say it's quite hard for me to choose, but I think I'll go with that. Um, there are a couple of albums I want to talk about in relation to Shebrang. Uh, the first one's FKA Twigs' Magdalene. Um, I think there were some real similarities between the two in terms of sort of the dark brooding tone and the sparse instrumentation. That's then like littered with little elements of experimentation and some surprising twists and turns. I think this album's less experiment experimental than the Twigs one, but for me, in the end, I think that also makes it a more successful and an enjoyable album across the piece. I think Magdalene has a lot of peaks and troughs, and its peaks might be better than the peaks on this album, but I think this album's more consistently good. Um, and then weirdly, the other album I want to come compare it to is one that we all slated on the podcast. Um, do you remember Chelsea Wolfe's Birth of Violence? Yep. Yeah. 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 So if you can remember back to that episode, we all sort of seem to agree that there was like this artificial sheen of darkness over the album, mm -hmm. loads of cliched representations of evil. And I think in, 
in Shebrang there's some similar themes. It's always focusing on good and evil for most of the album. But I think the execution is just much more impressive. There is a similar sheen of darkness over the album, but it feels really real. And I think that's why it's so compelling. Um, so yeah, I thought, I thought it was an outstanding album. I think the strings and the piano for our are just really atmospheric. Um, I think they really come to the fore in the song Habibi, which uh, is one of my favorites and, and one of the ones that most reminds me of FKA Twigs. Um, and I think that song also signals a bit of a switch in the album. It's followed by the song Dormant, which is, is a really gorgeous track, um, kind of trip-hoppy, a little bit port- portis-heady, it felt to me, and a little bit massive mm-hmm. attack. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just Definitely. think that's, that's a fantastic song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can really hear them in it, I think. And, um, and yeah, from then on, from those, you know, the early songs take a little bit of time to get going, but once it does get going, I think it's really a misfire. I think Wallflower's great, Darkest Hour's great. Uh, it's like Darkest Hour's almost... This dark, intense track, but almost a club track as well. And then I love it how she switches switches up on Oh My God, which feels like an R&B track. Um, I feel like in some ways that song shouldn't work, but it really does. So yeah, I love this album. It's one of my, I think one of my favourite discoveries in, in quite a while. Uh, Shall I jump in? Go for uh, it. Yeah. So um, for me, uh, I, I, I don't want to patronise, but does everyone know this expression in the box production in the box you know this yeah yeah, yeah. so this album um is really immaculate in many ways it, it's so like perfectly produced and that's really the best thing about it and the worst thing about it in some ways because yeah there are times when so i'll talk about the negatives first let's get them out of the way which is there are times when it seems like it can be too sterile um too so clean that it feels lifeless um, which obviously coming out of the disclosure is, you know, and it was right after it in the playlist as well. You know, that that's also a fairly lifeless album and by those by that measure. But in this genre where you're trying to be more emotive, which I, I got that sense, um, this is a, a problem sometimes. You know, I think actually I know Wallflower is a is a really beautiful melody, but I think Wallflower is, is one of the, the biggest problem songs in this regard. It's it's quite a clinical sound that um, can sometimes seem flat for that reason. Um, but at the same time, um, I think In The Box gives a lot of flexibility and it gives a lot of um, clarity to the songwriting. Um, and I think there's some great tracks on this album. There really are. So I think that my favourite track is probably Road, um, near, quite near the end, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, Habibi is really good in terms of a vocal performance. Uh, Lamp Lady is is great. So And her voice throughout is extremely beautiful um so i think i think all in all uh, I, I did really like the album I, I worried a little bit sometimes that it, w- it went down the road of being in the box a long way but um sort of down the rabbit hole with that but fundamentally i thought it was it was a great piece of work and certainly i'm pleased i came across it and i'll i've been listening to it probably a lot i don't know about more than everything else on here but a lot um and I'll, I'll continue to do so i think it's one of the better things i found out found about this year um mm. so yeah no really 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 enjoyed it yeah so so Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, I uh, can echo a lot of the sentiments you guys have already brought up. It's it's a really good album. Um, I did find it funny. So when I first listened to this, the very like heavy uh, like acoustic guitar twang in the first track kind of caught me off guard because I was expecting some like weird alt R and B album, and it made me think of like early noughties alt rock. 
And I thought I thought we were going to start with like Puddle of Mud or something. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, it obviously quickly switched away from that. And um, I have a lot of the same comparisons as uh, like Fran brought up. Like I wrote down Poise Head um, for Dormant. Um, I also wrote down FKA Twigs. I think that's an obvious one. Mm. Um, I'd say some of her singing style actually reminds me of uh, Rosalia. It was almost flamenco-esque. Um, especially accompanying this kind of kind of idea of contemporary uh, genre bending R and B at times, um, and so that was uh, re- obviously really great to hear and interesting because she's a huge um, artist at the moment who's doing fantastic things. Um, I think the other comparison I, I had it was. Um, was and All Rivers at Once sounded like a Radiohead song. I don't mm. know if I expected you to pick up on that, Fran. No, Maybe, no, I didn't. But to me, even her singing style was aping Tom York in a really interesting way, but it was putting the kind of stylings and the way that a Radiohead song would evolve in a obviously a different context. Interesting um, you say that, because I, I, like I do think the... The way in which she changed the tone of her voice uh, through all the different songs in the album, or through lots of the different songs in the album, was was really good, really effective, mm. and really powerful. Yeah. That she, uh, like that's why I picked Road up particularly. I thought that was one where she sounded so different from the rest of the album. But I, th- I see what you're saying about that track. It's um, yeah, she's she's really willing to, willing to take risks like that, which I yeah. think is great. I think the the fact that we can compare it to so many things. Um, and they're all good things, really mm. goes to the, the big strength I find in this album is there is a common thread, but it keeps evolving and morphing with not just every single track, but every single moment. Um, and that made it almost uh, kind of slippery to hold on to, but it, it was always there. And uh, I, I found it really an interesting lesson. I guess the only criticism I have is because it was something that I was avidly trying to keep up with, essentially, um, it's quite long. Um, yeah. But that, like, that's one of those things that were too much of a good thing. Um, yeah, it is quite long. I think because some of the last three songs, I think I probably heard a lot less than I heard the rest of the album because it was rare that I would have the time to sort of listen to the whole whole thing in one sitting so i think it's i think it's a shame in a way that it is that long but it's not when we talk about long albums sometimes and i can immediately pick what songs we should take away i would struggle to do that here i think Mm. yeah yeah i do think the the way it evolves over time gets less interesting though Mm. but that ends really well i thought the last two or three tracks which included that road i was going about were all really really strong yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah, I think it ends better than it starts, but it's just sometimes I wouldn't get as far as the end, unfortunately, because it is quite a long album. Mm. But um, most of my favourite stuff is after the first sort of three or four songs. Um, so maybe just take away those. There you go. Yeah, I fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Nice. Sorted. Sorted it for her. Cool. So, um, okay. So I will jump in then and talk about Proto Martyr. Um, okay. So I think um, when, this, when I first listened to this album... Um, I wasn't really, I didn't really warm to it because it felt like it was really trying to be uh, the bad seeds um, with slightly more distorted guitar, like cross, like crossing Grinderman and Bad Seeds, and he was the mm-hmm. singing was kind of like Nick Cave light. It was like a, a kind of uh, diet version of that, which I, d- I don't think, on reflection, is fair. 
so I took a while for me to get past that sense that it was it was ripping something off that I preferred. Um, but I think in the end, um, it's a really it's a really strong album. It has some some really excellent stuff on it. The Aphorist and mm. June Twenty One um, are both a little bit sinister, a little bit somber, and then thoughtful with like these bursts of anger. Um, and I thought all that stuff um, was great. And I don't think it was as consistent as the as the Sevdalisa, but I thought it had a, a lot of really high points. Um, and I think it showed a lot of restraint, a lot of delicacy um, through a lot of it, which allowed, gave more dynamic range for it to kind of suddenly burst into bits of frenzy, which I think June 21 is the best example of. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, it made for... A, uh, another sort of high point on on this playlist. I won't talk about the whole playlist yet, but um, it, it certainly carried the playlist along very well. It was it was very strong. So yeah, no, I really I really enjoyed it. So uh, that's all I have to say on that one, uh, Matt. Cool. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in danger of agreeing with you too much. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, kind like, of that. It it did have that kind of macabre tone of Nick Cave, um, but I, like you say, I don't necessarily think it's a a detriment he has such a unique voice that there can be multiple people that operate in that space without it just being him mm. um and that dark tone is obviously carried forward in the music as well and use the, the term dynamic range and um, to talk about um, like the energy in the music but i also thought um they also did that with the like the there was a lot of the music was this kind of dark thick wall that was kind of attacking you and enveloping you mm. and the way that they um then had some of the brightness of the guitars at points really cut through that in a way that i did uh, very much enjoy um and i i think did we cover this the previous album or we did covered the previous album i feel like it was before your time though i thought it was while we still had maybe on. maybe uh, i i listened, to, I listened that, to you sure. guys that was more than two months ago i'm not gonna remember that forget it yeah yeah it was relative in descent it was called and yeah we covered i think it was on one yeah. of the festival because it was they were playing at a festival i was going to so ah, i think right. that's why we covered it yeah and so i i definitely enjoyed it more than that because i do think uh what you the the idea of this dynamic range they had more going on um and it had just more depth to the music the music itself um I also picked out June twenty first as a, a track, a highlight track, because I, I really enjoyed the second vocalist again, because it added depth to the, the, the music. Um I think the the thing for me is after the June twenty first, it again it tailed off um and I was less interested towards the end of the album. Um but overall I think they managed to create a really interesting, like, doom-filled atmosphere that was so much more than what I'd heard from them before, uh, which sounded more just uh, a group of people with some guitars and drums. This sounded bigger. Right. Nice. Okay, Fran. Um, so for me, I think I suffered a little bit from having my expectations raised. I picked this one, and I picked it because um, it was recommended to me by so many different people that I I was expecting to fall in love with it straight away. I think there must have been six or seven people who who told me to check it out, and some of them people who don't normally talk to me about music, um, and it was just really random, so I had to pick it. And at first, I couldn't really see what the fuss was about. I thought it was decent, um, and I really liked the last album, but I, I didn't you know I didn't see a massive step forward. 
Um, but I think part of the problem for me anyway is that the, the album doesn't have the strongest of starts um, and the opening song remains the one that I'm least interested in. But the song did really grow on me um, over time. I think there's a run of songs in the middle, which I think you guys have all mentioned at least a couple of them, but it starts with the Aphorist, <laughs> runs through June 21, Michigan Hammers and Tranquilizer. I just think it's exceptional. I think that's such a great run of songs. Um, really strong. I, we've all said dark. We've all said brooding. And I think those words are coming up a lot today. Um, but it, it is really brooding and intense at this part of the album. And I think I get really drawn in. And I think there's some really interesting bits of music in there. The addition of some brass instruments really gives it something extra. Um, but in the end, I think it's an album that doesn't start brilliantly or end brilliantly, but has a fantastic middle section. Um, so I like them best when they're like this, they are brooding and dark and, and they are all the way through the middle. And if everything was as good as that middle part, I think it would be one of my favourite albums of the year. But I don't think that everything is as good as that. So in the end, it's kind of it's a it's a good album that I I don't love because I think it's a bit weighted in the middle. But yeah, it's still still very good. So okay. Um, yeah, so that just leaves Apollo Brown. Um, so, Matt, so why don't you start? first thing to say about that is it's Shea Noir, which annoyed the hell out of me on Spotify. Ah, Apollo, right. Apollo Brown is the... Um, producer. The producer, the producer, right? I did say Shea Apollo Noir. Brown and Shea Noir together when I introduced them at the yeah, start. So Shea yeah, so Noir's the rapper. I meant to point that out to you guys in case you hadn't picked up on it before we spoke, but... Um, yeah, Shane, it annoys me because on Spotify it always says it's Apollo Brown. Yeah, it's not, yeah so. I hunted around a little bit to find her actually. Yeah, so I know yeah. what you're saying. So yeah. just, just so Shane Noir with Apollo Brown in parentheses. Yes. yes. Go ahead, Matt. What do you reckon? Okay. I, yeah, I didn't really, because I, I obviously knew, I knew that Shane Noir was the rapper, but I thought it was more, obviously the production is maybe more involved or something. Cause, um, but if you look at her old albums, she's got each one is with a different producer and she does use the name in the title and all the titles now on Spotify oh. are the producer's name and not hers, which I'm not sure how that's happened. But, um, yeah. Gosh. Yeah, it's a bit annoying, but anyway. Well, yeah, to get down to it, I think this was a really uh, interesting album. I think um, it has a really obvious, like it's very obvious, it has a very classic hip-hop vibe. It mm. wears that influences very, very, like, uh, visibly on its sleeve and um, even has the track 1994 which is just all about its influences and um, what she grew up listening to and what she respects within hip-hop and so it's completely I feel like ignoring what is current right now um, but that said it that isn't necessarily a bad thing there's obviously space for everything and it's done in a, a more modern way and so it does still sound kind of fresh, even though they're still doing the, like, um, the classic, like, uh, filler pieces of, like, Yes, you and It Don't Stop, mm. like, that everyone used at the time. And it has that kind of uh, the same, like, vit like vitality as that uh, kind of the, the golden era of hip-hop in the 90s. Um, but... It, uh, it still manages to, I think, sound uh, relative, like pretty fresh and interesting. It doesn't sound uh, dated because I, 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 I don't know. I guess they're using modern production techniques. I don't know. But I think uh, her flow throughout is it's, it's fantastic. It's very slow and deliberate. It's very considered. Um, and, and then obviously the... the uh, content is 
Like she is a very good storyteller. I think uh, for me, the, the the highlights are around tracks three to five, and in the fifth track, she re- really shows her storytelling at her best when she's telling this tale of like going out with her friend, and then she feels like she's betrayed, and then something goes down, and. It's interesting. I feel like that story is really interesting because it highlights the almost the pointlessness of violence. Mm. But then there is uh, like a lot of uh, talking about um, how how she's gonna I don't know attack someone in other songs. So it, it feels it reminds me of listening to stuff like uh, Biggie, where there is almost a recognition of the current state of things and almost a hypocritical nature of uh, recognising the, the negativity but then also reinforcing it at the same time. Um, but overall, yeah, I enjoyed this album. I thought it was very good. Um, and, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so why doesn't Fran go next and I'll come in at the end? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Matt's just read my notes. Um <laughs> So, you know, I'm not going to say loads of different... Well, meant to be each throats the entire podcast, Rose. That is the point of this yeah. exercise. Know, so what know, the hell are we doing? At least we got to fall out on um, Disclosure. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, that album is more likely to make you cry than this album, Matt. I mean, sort your life out. <laughs> really. so, um, yeah, that is a bit of an odd one. I can see his point. For me to start talking about the Shane Noir album, I'm also going to have to begin by talking about the song 94, which Matt's already mentioned. Um, mm. It's one of my favourite songs on the album. It's the last song. Um feel like it gives a really good benchmark for what this album's all about. So, yeah, she talks about a lot of hip-hop from 1994, and it's a lot of stuff that, you know, I wasn't listening to hip-hop in 94, I was 10, but the, a lot of the stuff that she talks about in that song is stuff that I got into uh, in the next few years after that. Um, and then as she goes through the song, she starts to talk about G-Unit, who were big in her generation, which, you know, G-Unit were massive when I was really into hip-hop. Um, and while she never mentions Dr. Dre... I think the uh, Apollo Brown's beats on the album are a huge debt to him. Um, this sounds yeah. a lot like many of the Dre produced albums from back in the day. It's, uh, I don't think that's a bad thing, though. As as, as Matt said, I think hip hop's always been a genre that sort of has innovators alongside people who stick to the sort of tried and tested formulas. And I think this is a really good example of the latter. Um, I think the beats, as Dre like as they are, are, are great, and um, the flow and lyricism are really strong. There's a lyric in an early song called Hustle Don't Give that really grabbed my attention when she says, um, I had to grow up in violence, money talks could turn your life into a moment of silence. Well, that's a fantastic lyric, really clever and sort of shows what she's about. And I was just going to go into a bit of a spiel about 12 Hours, which is the song about shooting a partner, which Matt's just mentioned, but I I won't because Matt's pretty much said it all. But I think that song is like a full-on short story. I think it's very clever. And I think it definitely does talk, it is a highlight in the pointlessness of, of violence and the sort of I think the easy access to guns and all that kind of thing, it really comes across in that song. Um, she mentioned Biggie in the song 94, and I see a lot of parallels in both the stories and in her style. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I would have definitely picked this as the album that brought me closest to tears. Um, but I think what's saddest about this album, really, is that the same stories that needed to be, needed to be told by the likes of Biggie and Pac back then in 94 still need to be told now mm. if you listen to songs like daddy's girl the apple and freedom they all focus on race relations and police brutality and actually you know things that haven't really changed and i think it's an incredibly strong album for these reasons even if it doesn't really feel fresh i think what i was left thinking is that it's hard to be 
really fresh when this is your subject matter because society hasn't progressed and things are still yeah. the same. So she's rapping about things that you know haven't changed and were some of it very close to what Biggie was saying on Ready to Die, which we covered on the podcast as a classic. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I thought it was a really interesting album. Uh, I did, I really, really enjoyed it, but it also made me want to cry because it is really sad. So, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, I, th- I really enjoyed this album in the end. But for some reason, it took me a long, long time to make connection with it. Um, I think it's there was nothing about it that was bad when I first heard it. Uh, I thought it was generally uh, interesting, well-produced in a sort of traditional hip-hop production style, which we talked about already. Um, but I just didn't grab me for a long time. I think partly I was actually, this is funny to say, but I was hung up on the song, is it 12 Hours? That's the one you referred to, isn't it? Yeah. Where she, yeah. yeah. Which I found to be... Um, the weakest song on the album, um, honestly, I, I felt like it, the, the narrative, um, the narrative was okay, but it just seemed it didn't seem to have the weight of a lot of the other tracks and a lot of the other subjects in the tracks. And I, and I also um, I found it kind of a little bit trite the way at the end when she she shoots him and then she says, "Oh shit," you know, like "fuck," you know. I just it found sounded really like emotionless, honestly, in terms of delivery of that. Mm-hmm. And it, which I, I can see what you're saying about it being a narrative about violence and the yeah, I think of that's violence. purposeful, but yeah. I can see yeah, I did. I think I it took me a while to get that um, yeah. to get that and to click with that because I think at first I felt like oh, so when I wasn't listening too closely and you just hear that last bit of the verse, I think sort of oh yeah, of course she shot him sort of thing. But the more I listened to it in the context of the album, the more I started to get a bit more mm-hmm. of an emotional reaction to it. I think maybe I should but give I more time then. Maybe I should give mm-hmm. more time then. I mean, I, and I did listen to it quite a bit, and I, and I do overall like the album. But again, I find it really hard to read, and I find it really hard to find the vocabulary for what didn't grab me re- immediately. Maybe it was, it was that I was concerned that it was dated. Although I think mm-hmm. the point that Fran makes about it being a narrative that still needs to be told is is really interesting, um, valid point. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about it really, except except that in the end I warmed to it a lot. I felt like um, her flow was was really aggressive, um, mm. but really thought out at the same time, which I think I, I which I, I generally really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, that that that's that's whenever I think of the album, I can't help but think about Twelve Hours. I don't know why that's that's just stuck with me so much. Not I just mean, the end probably, point of it, but the, the general tenor of the song and the narrative. Mm. It just it wasn't. It, it didn't seem to carry enough to to be worth all that attention on my part, which is my my mistake. Maybe I don't know. I think what's quite interesting about that song and what what maybe is what's happening for you is it's the one that you know a lot of time in hip hop songs are you know exaggerations or they are fictions, but we don't know for sure if they are. Whereas that one clearly is. Um, yeah. It clearly is not something that 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 actual event didn't happen. Yeah, and that's quite apparent. Whereas a lot of the stuff throughout the rest of the album, if, mm. you know, it feels very real. It feels very yeah. believable. Whereas that song, you can tell it is a bit of a it's a trope and it's an attempt to say something, but it is a, it is a short story. So I think maybe for me that was why it stood out a little bit at first, as it felt it felt very different to the rest of the songs. But in the yeah. end, I did grow to enjoy that rather than to see it as a problem even though it did stick out for me for quite a while as well so yeah i don't think it's everything about that song is distinctive just even the the the, the beats behind it is very mm. angular and weird sounding and it it does stick in your in your head 
Mm. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's not surprising that it sticks out and maybe you analyze it more than maybe some of the other ones. Mm. Mm. Maybe, um, maybe. Yeah, it could be that. But, yeah, I mean, I, all the, in the end, I, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I'm just saying it took a long time for me to enjoy it. Mm. Um, and I got hung up on some things, which maybe, again, is my problem, really. Yeah, so. Yeah, I think there's some really interesting things about it as well, though. Like, um, and it does come back to what I was saying about, you know, it's a lot of the stories... And a lot of what she talks about are things that we hear on albums a lot, right? Um, you know, the song Freedom, where it's, you know, freedom ain't free, and there's snippets of speeches about police brutality and murders of Trayvon Martin and stuff. You know, it's it's become something that's just in so much hip-hop now that, you know, this album is, because it feels quite old in its stylings, I think that stands out. And But it is, you can't, you can't it's, it's hard to expect someone to tell any different stories when they live in yeah. that situation. Yeah, yeah. So it's... It's yeah, that weird thing of like, okay, we're tell- we're hearing these stories again, but actually those stories are really important and need to be told. It's not like a, it's not like a trope of fucking you know love love songs by boy yeah. bands or anything. It's a, it's a trope that needs to exist, yeah, but can sometimes be difficult when I suppose we listen to quite a lot of hip hop albums on here, mm. so we do come across those themes quite a lot. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's interesting. I it's, think maybe that it was that mix of like vintage style production mm. with what art themes which came out in songs 20 years ago as well as all yeah. the way through that the inter- intervening time mm. um, was hard to digest but yeah in the end I, I thought it was I did think it was a really good album so mm. so before we move on to the why I love stuff uh, what do people think of this playlist as a whole uh, Matt um, I, I like th- there's I really liked the majority of the albums apart from Jane's Addiction um, I think that's that's clear from the way I've talked about them, but <laughs> I did find it a bit of a slog in the ter- the ter- in the terms of it is very broody and dark, and it was hard to get through at times because it was so um, intense. Mm. But I, yeah, this is some of the my favorite albums this year. Maybe I don't mm. know. Right. So I'll go with Intense then, because um, to me, this was the best playlist we've had in ages. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, up there with the best we've had at, at, of, of all, because um, really, Disclosure is obviously, as I've said, the one that I didn't connect with, but I still respect what it was attempting to do uh, in its genre. So, And the other four albums, I think, were all really good. Uh, in different ways, it was varied in that respect. Um, there were a lot of different styles in it, although I agree that it was quite sinister through most of it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I, I loved it. It's been, it's been one of the few ones where I'd actually, where I was willing by the time I got to the end of near the time of recording today, where I would actually put it on random on those six mm-hmm. albums, that and the Super Furious we'll talk about in a minute, um, and not be skipping things endlessly. Um, although I had to periodically for disclosure, but not not that much you know, <laughs> <laughs> for the others. So uh, that's very, very rarely happened. Generally, there's, there's one album, I would say, is my average. One album I really get into, and the others are, are either not that bothered or, or actually actively dislike. So so I was quite, it was a big winner for me, honestly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Fran, what did you think of the playlist altogether? Yeah, I think it's strong. I mean, I, I, I despise the Disclosure album, which is a big sort of... Um, you know, there's, sometimes you get those playlists where there's everything's okay or one one thing's really good but this one that album was yeah i never wanted to listen to it um the jane's addiction i enjoyed more than i thought i wouldn't come back to probably but the other three really strong albums um and i think part of the problem i had for a while was the fact that it is quite 
we're going to use the words brooding, dark and intense again, seems they're the words of the day. Mm. But I think it took me a while, actually, to realise how much I like those three albums. I think all of them had to grow on me because it was quite heavy listening sometimes. Um, but in the end, yeah, I think it's up there. It's, it's certainly in the top top half of our playlist ever, definitely, and probably higher than that. It's, yeah, I was, I was impressed. So it's a winner, which is why we ended up being not as aggressive and negative to each other, because it was actually quite a positive playlist in some ways. Yeah. Overall. I suppose it was fucking shit. Yeah, right. okay. Well, okay. Yeah. just to get some negativity in there. We'll just, we'll just agree on that one, yeah. So, no, it was, it was, it was yeah, one day. wasn't for me. wasn't for me. Okay, so... One day I'll make um, you dance. <laughs> no, you won't. That, I like loads of dance albums. That's not a dance album. It's a, <laughs> it's a sit and stare at your own face and tell yourself how wonderful you are album. That's... <laughs> That is so tenuous. I don't know what the hell you're talking about anymore with that <laughs> comment at the end there. It's like, what? Stare at your own face. Anyway. It's just people who love themselves making noises. I see. Right. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So uh, I am going to jump into the Why I Love section, which is this week, this month, about the Super Free Animals. Um, and I'll start looking at my notes. I'll basically say that I wrote in caps... This is one of my all-time favourite bands, as the very first bullet point, as if mm. I didn't know that myself. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to remind myself, this, remind is, yourself, this yeah. is one of my all-time favourite bands. Um, yeah. And it certainly is. Um, and I want to explain, I want to try and explain why, but um, I think I'm a little bit liable to get overexcited uh, and not make a lot of sense. So I'm going to wow. try and distill it down into, into what Don't this think I've ever heard you overexcited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is what this, what this playlist is really about. So, for me... Um, this is as simple as this as I can put down, really. There's no, there's, no, there's no band, there's no set of songs like this that have more joy in them than this, uh, this playlist. There's none with more absurd humour in them. There's none with more beautiful harmonies, I would say. And there's none with an awareness, as great an awareness, of, of the fr- full frequency spectrum. In other words, everything, the sub-bass frequencies all the way through to the, the highest sort of thin, uh, tinny and airy sounds. They really, really care about that stuff. And there's nothing really, or there's very little in guitar music at least, with, with any more complex arrangements. For a five-piece band, um, they make exce- exceedingly complicated songs at some points, and I think that's kind of amazing. So, so the original playlist I put together um, for the best stuff for this, uh, this band was over three hours long, as Fran, as Fran <laughs> knows. <laughs> um, and, and that just, to me, speaks to how incredibly consistent they've, they've been over so many albums. I mean, they, there is the last album is not as good, I don't think, and I, and I didn't include anything from that, in point of fact, when I got down to the, the chopping down process to only a measly 18 songs. Um, but uh, in the end, uh, they are so consistent, and they have this amazing mix of, like, super heavy guitars, which are put in a tiny, a kind of hilariously tiny box. They have this like massively distorted, overdriven sounds that they've boxed off into this tiny space, which I find amazing. They have these beautifully lush harmonies. I talked about that a minute ago. Um, they have the kind of big rock drum beats, the kind of progressive rock drum beats, which are, are massive and sit over everything. And then they have these electronic elements, which are, are really um, kind of come out of left field, I think, and only developed more as they as they got further into the, the career of the band um, to albums like Gorilla, which were much more electrically electronically orientated than some of the first two or, two or three. Um, and it's all woven together. All these elements are woven together so meticulously. I think that's just it's just really remarkable to see that they can they can pull that off across across uh, what is it six or seven albums. Um, so. I think really maybe the best way to summarise it is that they're, they're a super weird band. They really are an odd ball band. And that goes from things like the, the kind of uh, aura of madness around them and then also into their music. So 
I don't know, I'm sure people have heard and you probably are aware about the uh, buying a tank to have a PA system strapped to a tank mm -hmm. to go to festivals um, so that the PA, so the PA couldn't be confiscated by the police. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, they also, uh, when I saw them in New York City, actually they, uh, they played the entire set dressed as Alsatians. Um, <laughs> which I could just kept thinking to myself, how are they not fainting in the heat in here? It's unbelievable. Yeah. They actually played uh, a sort of double uh, top of the bill list uh, playlist with um, Granddaddy, um, and every night alternate between who was top of the bill. And the night I saw them, they were in support to Granddaddy. And to be fair, I love Granddaddy, but to be fair, uh, they blew Granddaddy out of the water. It was kind of a little bit sad afterwards <laughs> when they came on. So that was uh, that's kind of crazy as well. But yeah, so they. Um, it's not just a media show, though. It, it, the music is, is really, really odd. Um, and there are some good examples that I've, I've put together. So one would be, uh, and I, not all of these are on the playlist in the end, unfortunately, because there were so many songs I could refer to, but um, uh, Run, Run Christian Run of Rings Around the World is, is a long track which appears at the end of, of Rings Around the World, one of the albums that I featured. And it's nearly 10 minutes long, and the entire song is built around a single synth ping, which kind of pops through the track and they build an entire entire kind of massive sort of majestic um, string section, multiple guitars, multiple harmonies over this little pinging sound, which then at the end of the song reappears, as it were, as you can hear it more clearly through the rest of the stuff dying away. That's a kind of incredible piece of production work. Um, they have songs which are lyrically really bizarre um, as well. Um, there's, there's one, uh, there's one that I recall about... Um, powering uh, gruff wanted to power his house using a hamster in his wheel in the, in the wheel so he does a whole song on on the first album called fuzzy birds about that um which is you know pretty wild really as a concept for a track um and then i think one of the best examples actually is uh, of, the, of the kind of weirdness is night vision which i'm pretty sure is on this playlist i, I think mm, i think it was, it was. Yeah. um where the song kind of collapses into a sort of this is what I talked about the, about the wide ranging wide frequency range I was talking about earlier it collapses into a sort of super sub bass breakdown section which unless you have either really good bass end stereo or just really good headphones or whatever you can't even hear some of this track on some on cheap stuff sometimes it's so rumbling and growling and then the song kind of rebuilds itself over the next minute or two into an into a normal track that is some left field thinking from a production standpoint. I mean, I don't understand how they came up with the idea of writing a song which then dies in the middle only to be replaced by something in the sort of 50 hertz range and then build it all like up again to, to a full track. So I, I love that stuff. So, um, yeah, so playing the playlist through and, and putting the playlist together was, was itself a really joyous act. And I think overall I'd just say that anyone who thinks that I'm a miserable bastard can go fuck themselves because <laughs> this playlist proves that I am full of joy. So, yeah, mm. that's all I wanted to say about it. I don't know what, what you want to both put into that. Um, Fran, what did you think of this playlist? Okay, um, so the last uh, Why I Love You did was the horrors, I think. And interestingly, I'd say my reaction to Super Fury Animals is, is quite similar, in that there are parts of the career I really, really enjoyed and other parts that I wasn't as into. Um, for the Super Furies, I'd say, for me, it's the early stuff that really appeals to me the most. Um the first three tracks, particularly from the first album, are probably my favourite three on the playlist. Okay, um, it was three per album. I think I did it. So that's yeah, all I think from so. Yeah. Logic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, I think particularly, I already knew. Hearing back, I already think I'd heard all three of them, but I knew um, 
if you don't want me to destroy you very well because it weirdly was on one of those best indie album ever things that I had when I was yeah. like 15 and I loved it and I'll I just was... point out that that lyric was written down the barrel of the tank on the tank oh, the really? PA tank system used to drive across festival sites nice. had, if you don't want me to destroy you written down the side Amazing. of it in big white letters which is fantastic Amazing. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, I really yeah. really still like that track and I would say probably I mean it's hard when you know a track that well to for me to then pick anything else from the playlist that I liked more than it but I oh, yeah I think that's amazing. I really like a couple from the next album. I, really, I like Demons a lot. Um, mm. And there were a couple of later songs I like. I liked um, Sidewalk, Sidewalk Surfer Girl. Uh, that's one example. Yeah. But there's other stuff around the middle that I'm a bit less keen on. I wouldn't say I dislike any of it. Like I, I, I think it's all pretty good. Um, but one thing that really struck me, and you've, you've kind of almost... Um, touched on it already nick but one thing that like one word i would use to describe this band is a word that you always use on the podcast as a negative um they're very chirpy they're extremely <laughs> chirpy and you normally hate chirpy um which i you know is interesting to me um but i think then, chirpy yeah. refers to a frequency thing as well though like tinny or painfully annoyingly yeah. upbeat I don't know, it's not an emotional thing to me, it's a musical thing, but anyway, go ahead. I mean, I think musically, I think they are musically chirpy, though. I think that's, um, the sound is very chirpy, and I'm not saying that necessarily as a negative. Mm. It just it just struck me that that's something you usually aren't as keen on. Um, mm. So there's, I can't remember what the name of the album, but there's the tracks, The Turning Tide, Northern Lights, and Night Vision. That's, that's probably... Mung, yeah, the Welsh album. Okay. It's all it's it, not, all, not the Welsh language Welsh. album, though. That's not the Welsh language album, is it? Is it not? Oh, is no, it Gorilla? No, it's the one before that. Oh, it's Gorilla the then. That, yeah, Gorilla. Which was, yeah, yeah. That was probably the stuff that I was less into. Oh, that's my um, favourite one of all of them. Out of every it? single one, that's my favourite one. <laughs> I do think sometimes when they bring a, a bit more electronics in there, that's when it gets a little bit less interesting to me. I did feel that sometimes it didn't feel like it belonged, but that's just me. Um, Being wrong, yeah. I and another thing, it's interesting, quite a few of the bands that you've introduced um, and you why I love, I've liked, but I've always thought I probably would have liked them a lot more then. If I hadn't introduced but, them. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're like bands that I feel, I can see why you love them and I think maybe you, you know when you fall in love with a band and then you like them forever and I feel like if I'd listened to them as much as you did back then when my music taste was a little bit different, I would have liked them. Um, if that makes sense, I would like them a lot more. Uh, but I think these are clearly a much more inventive and interesting band than a lot of the music I was listening to when they were around, you know. So I'm, I'm definitely not slagging them off. Yeah. The last thing that struck me, and I'm not sure whether you're going to see this as an insult or not. Um, I uh -oh. hope not. Here we go. It's how Winding similar up. they sound to Blur. Like, okay. Quite often I had to remind myself that it wasn't Blur I was listening to. And I loved Blur back in the day. So again, it's not an insult. It's well, interesting just, when you say about two things about that. So on the Blur thing, um, I mean, I can see that they're, they're of the 90s as well in lots of ways. Mm. I'll just say that in terms of the freshness of it, though, I, I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised myself by how much joy I could still get out of these songs even after this amount of time. Yeah. And not just nostalgic, but really a sense that it still had so much to offer um, to me. Um, certainly, so, it's yeah. really interesting. Like I said, they're really interesting, really inventive. They're yeah. definitely original, but, but, I but mean, I think they the, do really remind me of Blur. The quirkiness um. of Blur is, is <laughs> no, there's a little bit of that quirkiness, although they don't go quite yeah. as insane. But I think, I think song production-wise is where it differs, is, is the complexity of the song mm. production is, is massively higher in the Super Furries than Blur. Blur is a, a guitar band 
that does some good stuff. I'm not slating them. I'm just saying that that's their framework. And I don't think Super Furries are fundamentally like that. By the end, anyway, if you look at an album like Gorilla we were just talking about, yeah. that's an electronic album or the, the Welsh folk album among they did. You know. So anyway, go ahead. But no, that, that's pretty much all I had to say. Um, I think you know it's it's certainly not a negative. I just think there was you know it was highs and highs and lows for me. But um, yeah, one of those that I think I could I can certainly see why people love this band, and I think I would love them more if I'd just discovered them earlier. Really. Okay. Okay, Matt, what do you think? Cool. Uh, yeah. So I think I have a similar relationship with this band to Fran. Like I've, I've heard some of these tracks before through like alternative album compilations that I bought right. and I'd uh, liked them, but never like grabbed, gravitated towards them and then become a fan at the time. Um, and I think some of that is just because of the style of music isn't something I generally gravitate towards the kind of big, rich, it's very warm and fuzzy and feels very human mm. uh, throughout, I think. And that's, that's uh, compared to something like, say, like Disclosure, right? It, it's very different in the sense that it does sound like it has this very vital heartbeat underneath it. Um, and that's never been something that really <laughs> grabbed me in the past. Like, <laughs> mm. the fact that it's... <laughs> It is very, like, you have this very gentle distortion on the guitars and a very gentle, like, his voice is also kind of gruff. Um, and, Did you do that on purpose, and, then? Yeah, well done. No, I, I realised afterwards <laughs> and I smiled. <laughs> well done. Um, and it has this very, like, it moves at a very consistent pace. Um yeah. I don't agree about the so, distortion, I will say. I did say uh, uh, the distortion's actually, and I've seen them live a few times, it's actually massive. They've just, they've, just freak, they've just cut it off in such an interesting way. That it sounds kind of furious, but like somebody shouting at you from very far away, <laughs> you know, like yeah. on, the, across a field or something, but they're like absolutely livid. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so go ahead. Um, and so I think it gets a bit of disservice from me because that is something that I like, I, you know, me at this point in my music taste, I like something very simple and <laughs> easy to access. And that will um, often change my uh, mood in that moment very rapidly. Um, and so it doesn't do that. Yeah, this is definitely um, not simple. Without, yeah, you need to muse on it. Um, but like that said, like there are like there's obviously a bunch of songs on here that I, I do like a lot. And uh, I think uh, Demons is the, one of the ones that I like the most. I think the, the, the one of the reasons I really like this is because he, it feels like he just put a little bit more into the vocals and they became more of a center point to the song um, as opposed to it being this kind of blanket. And it, it, at times this sounded like a David Bowie song to me. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. the yeah, way he I don't puts, know if Fran's going to allow that. Oh, yeah, I, I like demons. <laughs> you know, Barry's done so many different types of music yeah. that you know most people can have a song that sounds a bit like him. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, and I think c- consistently throughout, um, I think where he uh, like pushed his vocals a little bit more, that's where I, I really started to uh, engage more. Um, and so I think uh, something for the weekend was another one I really liked um, mm. from that regard. And then as it progressed and you got the weirder electronic stuff, I actually really enjoyed that as well. Um, so, like, Slow Life, where you had the, like, weird alien-like synths. Yep. It sounded that... I, I really enjoyed that as well because it was very different. They, they encompass a lot. 
Yeah. And so it was hard. I found it hard to, like, have one set of feelings about this as a, as a whole. Um, yeah. I but, think that's so, the interesting thing with these playlists sometimes, isn't it, is when you look at a band like this or, like, The Horrors, whose career has been really quite varied, mm. it's a little hard sometimes to... Um, even though it's good to see someone's career like that and get a snapshot of it, it is also hard to sort of sometimes get a full handle on it, I think, which is it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I can see um, that. But yeah, so I just, yeah, I think I, I'm really glad that I had the opportunity, especially, like, that's the one of the benefits of this playlist is I get a curated list of some of the best stuff that an artist is producing. ages and as well, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too lucky. I, I yeah, the next <laughs> playlist I've been racking over for a while, trying to get it right, and I, I appreciate the sentiment that goes into it. And I yeah, I, there's a lot I really like on this, and one so I'm glad that, I had a bit of time. One thing that I didn't really get to reflect on, uh, although there's only a couple of tracks I think that, that somewhat do so, is is the live show for this band. Um, somebody, a good, an old friend of mine who is really into them as well, recommended that I put a live version of "Man Don't Give a Fuck," which is one of their one a, a beast a single I did early mm. on. Um, about Howard Marks, I think it is, um, mm. and it's, it's. I didn't put it on because it has about five minutes of just people screaming. <laughs> we don't give a fuck about anybody at all. Uh, just keeps going round and round and round. Now that's not going to work on this playlist, so fair enough. But um, it was a pity in a way. I felt that I couldn't really reflect with you both on how mental the live show is, um, and and how some of the weekend is a good example of, of one of the one of the more like clearly live types songs that would adapt well to the live environment you know yeah. um but anyway it's, it's a pity that they're not around to be seen um as a, as a band yeah. right now uh because i think that live show is is something to behold really so yeah yeah okay. I, kind of, I did get that sense though yeah oh yeah okay they are they're not I together anymore they're, they're uh, gruff's doing solo stuff i don't know when he lasted one maybe 18 months ago yeah yeah, we're um, to that, yeah. and then uh, but no the band are not working together anymore i don't think they okay. ever actually formally broke up but they're not mm. they're not working together at the moment i don't think okay. so yeah and they did like seven or eight albums or something and and the last one as i say was just wasn't as good as the others so i feel like maybe that was they had a good a fantastic run you know maybe that's that's yeah, that yeah. you know okay yeah, so uh, maybe they together and go out on a high Absolutely, that's the better plan. Absolutely. Well, maybe if they listen, they'll do that now that you've said that, Matt. Yeah, um, they're here right now. Yeah. They're with us right now. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you for welcome. all the work you've done for us, Gruff, etc. Um, all right, so we'll we'll uh, we'll finish up there. So I just wanted to see. So I think Matt is hosting next time. Is that right? Yes. That is correct. Yeah. So yes. our next time picks. Um, are, I'm doing Bright Eyes, uh, Down in the Weeds, Where the World Once Was, and Deftones, Oms. Chosen like the longest title and the shortest title of all have, time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what am I picking? I'm picking um, Alicia Keys with Alicia, I believe, or Keys, one of the two. <laughs> um, and uh, Sucking Stevens with The Ascension. Cool. Wow. And so for our classic, we're going to be doing Woody Guthrie with Dust Bowl Ballads. And then I'm going to be making a Dizzy Rascal playlist. Dizzy Rascal. Okay, nice. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. Nice. All right. Wicked. So um, 
that's that, I think. All that's left to say is uh, please go and check out our various ways to connect, our social media, etc., which is, Fran's going to tell you now, because I never at do. Picky Bastards, capital B, capital B on Twitter, at the Picky Bastards on Facebook, and obviously the website is pickybs.com. Uh, lots of reviews, lots of interviews, lots of articles, lots of people moaning about music and being nice about music. Occasionally being nice, mostly just moaning. Mm. Yeah, but it's fun moaning. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's that, I think. Uh, thanks a lot, then. We'll see you next time, I suppose. See you next time. Bye. Bye.